0: Hello and welcome to the debut episode of Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. My name is Jason and I am an Arsenal fan. And I'm very much regretting uh, starting up this podcast now. after
1: Absolute all... <laughs> perfect timing for me. I'm delighted and must say, um, Michael, any
0: first words to,
1: to, <laughs> to describe the abomination you saw from the Spurs today?
0: Well, um, so as you might have gathered, we have just watched the first North London derby of the season. Obviously Unai Emery's first North London derby. Um, and yeah, I've um, gathering my <laughs> gathering my thoughts. Um, that second half was just um, a bit of a shambles. To really.
1: die for. I mean, it, <laughs> it was. You know, I, I've been an Arsenal fan since. All right, I'm going back here. I wasn't a huge football fan when I was younger. Got back into it. Became an Arsenal fan really properly to get truly into it around 06, 07 when the trophyless year started. Um, the Wenger ball had slowly started to transition out. Um, the mighty Spurs were still in our shadow, but slowly but surely, when Harry came in, um, it all kind of changed. They started to buy better players than they usually do. World class, I wouldn't say just yet. Um, and then you know that the the tiresome years of Wenger with the tro- no trophies, the style wasn't right. We couldn't defend for love or money. Bargain basement signings. And now with this fresh outlook and Emery, I finally watch a game or go to a game and think, you know what? I like Arsenal again. I want to watch Arsenal. Even I went to the Sporting Lisbon game the other day, the 0-0, and I thought I would loved watching Arsenal. I didn't care about the result. Their fans are giving Emery time. He's giving that patience, but by, by us having the patience, what he's giving back to us is a style. He's kicking players into shape. He's not afraid to make substitutions. He's not afraid to change it up. He's not afraid to drop star players, such as Ozil and Ramsey. And I'm absolutely delighted that uh, things seem to be changing for the good again.
0: So how, how honestly, how were you feeling going into the match today? Were you nervous or did you think you were going to win?
1: I'm usually very nervous and apprehensive. And I should have a Twitter handle called hashtag uh, pessimistic because that is me. But I was feeling good today because I thought Spurs have been giving it all that. Saying North London is white and blue and whatever colours you like to wear nowadays, and Harry Kane's gonna do bits to the team. And and you know what? I just had a feeling. Usually the team that speaks the most are always the one to uh, be embarrassed in the end. We kept our heads down. Um, none of our players really spoke out about how we're gonna beat Spurs and North London's red. It was very quiet this time. But I, I was confident. I thought that it was. It, we were. We were gonna give you a game this time because we've changed and we did give Liverpool a game when we had them at home. We probably, you know, the game against City and Chelsea that we lost early in the season was not in the manner in which we would have lost under Arsenal Wenger last season or before. So I was confident we'd give you a game. Not to this extent, though. This was another level.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was nervous going, I mean, I'm always nervous for North London derby. I, I cannot enjoy watching these matches, even when we're winning. You, you don't enjoy it until the final whistle is gone. But I'm always nervous going in as favourites. As a Tottenham fan, I'm not used to going into a match being the favourites, everybody expecting us to win because of how much it's changed over the past couple of seasons, finishing above you. Uh, So going in, form goes out the window in North London Derby. Obviously, we've had an incredible week, thrashing Chelsea, getting the much-needed win in the Champions League against Inter. But going into this, a Derby match, form, it doesn't matter. It's all about what happens on the day. And I was nervous when I saw the team sheet and that Alderweireld, as I'm sure most Spurs fans were, nervous that Alderweireld wasn't starting and Foyth was in. I I think Foyth, is the future, he's played really well, but he does have a mistake in him, as we saw towards the, the second half. But the opening mistake, if we look at the match chronologically, for Tongan with the handball, and I think a lot of people thought that if Foyth was going to play, it would be instead of Tongan. given he's only just come back for injury, played 90 minutes against Milan, but it was Alderweireld who was out of the team. I mean, it's easy to say if Alderweireld was playing, wouldn't have given away that penalty, wouldn't have lost 4-2. I mean, that's just speculative. The fact that he didn't come on at any point, I think is... A a bit of a mistake from Pochettino. I love Pochettino. He's the best Spurs manager in my lifetime supporting the club. But I thought it was odd that Adderville didn't feature at all today. And we gave you the perfect start with that penalty. Arsenal, apparently slow starters this season, but you came right out of the blocks. And we really didn't get going until then the dire header where Bernd Leno maybe should have done better. Lichtsteiner and all the Arsenal players, all the substitutes making a right meal of it afterwards.
1: Bit of fight for once, bit of fight in the club. I actually, I actually want to go back to a point you just made about Foyth, about him starting kind of Foyth as the youth and, and kind of the future of Spurs. That has been a component of Pochettino's um, legacy so far at Tottenham that he's brought through these young players who might nece- not necessarily have got the chance at other clubs to play in the big games. Do you think that's part of his? potential downfall or or, um the negatives around pochettino at the same time some sort of unfounded faith um and not necessarily knowing when the right time is um to to roll the dice essentially because you think for a north london derby you put your most you know um socrates hasn't been playing recently you put your most experienced players on the pitch that that is how you do it you don't gamble with with um with irresponsible players who may not um be, be right for the game you know I think Gwendozi easily could have started that game but he knew we need discipline in there mm-hmm. we need Shaka and Torreira um, probably the only question I um, the only um, thing I would say to that is someone like I will be starting who has got that immaturity still about him yeah. um, you think he may have changed that up but yeah that was that was more what I was interested in about
0: yeah I mean Pochettino. I don't I don't blame Foyth I don't want it to seem like I'm blaming Foyth for this defeat because there are a lot of players who who didn't play at their best today Harry Kane um well
1: Lord Harry Kane um
0: but I think with Pochettino is when he trusts you he trusts you and he will put you in if he thinks you can handle it like last season away at the Burner Band Champions League he plays Harry Winks. And Winks rose to the occasion and people are talking about, you know, Winks for England now. And I think, again, Winks, a player who should have come on much earlier today. Um, I think the bigger flaw with Pochettino is in how late he is in making substitutions. You know, Emery, two half-time substitutions. You guys have made three subs before we, ma- we even made one. And you saw the game slip away from us. So I think if he does have a weakness, it's it's more in that. Um, the trusting young players, they may make mistakes because of their inexperience. But I think, you know, the development they'll get as a result of that will will be almost worth it in the long run. And I think with players like Alderweireld, he could have gone in the summer, might still go in January. And you think, well, if you do need, if you think you need fresh legs in the defence and Alderweireld isn't maybe going to be around next season and Foyth is then going to have to step up, then you might as well throw him in now because these are the kind of games where if he does become a starter, he is going to have to play. Um, I suppose it's that potential short-term loss for long-term gain.
1: Yeah, I understand that. I think
0: Adebayo should have been involved, but I think Poch bringing through young players, I think is a good thing. I don't really see it as a weakness, particularly when you look at, you know, Harry Kane's development, Dele Alli's de- development, Winks' development. I think it's it's done us more good than harm over the course of his, his reign at the club.
1: And speaking of Harry Kane's development, do you think he's now hit that wall? He's um, hit his peak early on. And if he has hit his peak, do you think he'll want to live out his best years as a football player at a top club that are winning top trophies, Ooh. such as this Real a, Madrid?
0: This is a, a bit of a rogue and, dare I say, ridiculous question. Um, so Harry Kane obviously scores the, the penalty, the obvious Stonewall clear penalty, um, d- disastrous foul on Jungman's son. Um, I, I think all this talk about Harry Kane, you know, not hitting his best, um, I'm not really sure where it's come from, to be honest, because... Everybody said he can't score in August. He scored twice in August. He got the World Cup golden boot. Okay, the performances may not have been vintage Harry Kane, but he's still up there. He's still scoring goals. And the mark of a great striker is scoring goals even when you're not playing well. Okay, maybe we've got a slice of luck with the penalty, but he's still there and he puts it away emphatically. Probably the best English penalty taker we've seen in a long time. Um, And he's still absolutely central to the team in terms of leadership in terms of captaincy material the way he brings other players into the game i think that's something that's overlooked in harry kane's game the extent to which he actually brings other players in and i think the reason why we've seen maybe him not be absolutely at his sparkling best is because the extent to which his hold-up play and build-up play is accommodating players like lucas or players like sterling for england um so I don't think he's hit his his peak. I think there's still he's still adding things to his game every season. He seems to have added another thing to his game, whether it's his, as I say, his hold up play, his passing, um, you know, dropping back a bit deeper, playing as a number ten, and you can always count on him for a goal. Um, so I think he's he's fine. I'm not worried about Harry Kane the way other people seem to be.
1: And and whilst you mentioned a lot of Harry Kane's amazing attributes, you know, he seems like a great player, a great man on and off the pitch. Um, <laughs> kind of the god of tottenham essentially right now mm. but what i was more interested in is in whether, whether you think he needs to broaden his horizons like uh like a young michael owen well probably not the best example of michael owen but you go to a bigger club you kind of see what being a f- superstar is all about do you think that with spurs he will ever get yes, to that because... point will, will he be considered potentially amongst the legends of the thierry Henrys? um and the alan shearers if he doesn't really fight the top but i know i said alan shearer just now and i know i'm gonna be in for one here because of his uh, what i was gonna say is
0: um harry kane will be a a bigger club in a couple of seasons time because tottenham will be a bigger club in a couple of seasons time we've got the new stadium you know we've got regular champions league football now we've gone from you know doing a bit of backstory here like you did when i first started supporting tottenham top four was this holy grail mythical oh we could finish in the top four now we're top four regulars past three seasons Champions League football and now we're looking towards a title which when we first started so we're old friends we both started following football around the same time if when we'd first started following our clubs I'd said that Spurs would be closer to winning a title than Arsenal it would have been laughable but it's gone completely the other way now and Tottenham are a club that are on the rise you look at United who are struggling Arsenal the past couple of years clubs that look like they're going backwards that don't particularly look like a lot of fun to be at Tottenham's a club with a great future at the moment so I think if Harry Kane wants to be at a bigger club, he should stay where he is because Tottenham are getting bigger. We will literally be in a bigger stadium um, and he'll be central to that as, the, cap, as the, the talisman, as the heart of the team. And, you know, he's, he can reach record levels by staying in the Premier League, by becoming Tottenham's top goal scorer, Premier League top goal scorer. You know, those sort of records are in his sights and you'd back him to, to match them. So I don't think he needs necessarily to go anywhere for his development or to be a big player. I mean, in general, I think it's a good thing for English players to play abroad except for harry kane and tottenham players who are quite happy to stay where they are but i guess at the end of the day it will will come down to what he wants but i think he definitely has embraced this idea of being mr tottenham hotspur um and i think he'd be loath to give that away and i also think clubs like real madrid i'm not sure harry kane's their type of player kind of partly for that reason i think he has a kind of a selflessness and a he doesn't have the sort of ego that real madrid players have and that they tend to look for in their players um, he's he's quite a sort of humble superstar you know he's not the stereotypical galactico um, so i feel like real madrid might not i don't think it'd be the best fit for him the same way i don't think it's the best fit for Pochettino. you know talking about how he likes to bring through young players doesn't like he goes in the dressing room i don't think real madrid is the right environment for him either i think for, for our manager and our players they're at the right club the right environment and in the atmosphere they've got something special i think all they need is maybe a some additions to that rather than to all go and jump ship but you know obviously we'll see what happens in the summer probably we'll, we'll, see, get what, of ourselves we'll see what here, happens but, we will
1: yeah but when, if...
0: so in that match then when Harry Kane scored that penalty and put us 2-1 up and we raced into the lead half time 2-1 How did you feel, first of all, about the penalty that we were awarded? And then how did you feel at halftime? Did you see that comeback coming? Or did you think, here we go, Tottenham are going to win this now?
1: You should be very glad that Arsenal won the game after that penalty that was given. Um, Hung Min Sun tripping over his own feet, an invisible man, perhaps. (laughs) Um, It's time and time again, Arsenal a victim too invisible penalties penalties that shouldn't have happened fouls that shouldn't have happened you have had had a lot of luck kind of referees being favorable to the opposition especially spurs and as we always say mike dean
0: well i think we both have issues with mike dean i think we
1: both have issues with mike dean today you're right um but once harry kane stepped up you thought he's gonna finish this it's obvious arsenal keepers don't say penalties traditionally either and i thought here we go again I thought it's unbelievable how we get the momentum. We were we were controlling the game from start to finish. You could see this energy and drive that I have not seen in Arsenal teams since probably oh seven oh eight, the kind of Fabregas, Cleb, Adibayor, Cleb, uh, Lehman, Galas, Torre years when it was a real set team and you could tell like they all loved playing with each other. they had the right balance. I felt it again today. I felt this kind of everyone was together. It was co- collective enthusiasm. And then we concede twice very quickly. Leno path-
0: should have done better for the first goal. Do you think
1: it was pathetic, Leno? It was pathetic, and I'm not afraid to say that. And I think if he was listening to this, he would say, "You know what? Fair play. I-, I hold myself to high standards. I should have done better. I should have been in a better position. I don't. I don't see him maturing as quickly as I would have liked him to, and getting that that dominance that I feel like a top class keeper has. And I know there have been changes in the coaching staff. I know it was Jerry Paynton who was the um, Arsenal goalkeeping coach for a long time he clearly didn't do the best job because with all due respect we had Almunia Chesney, and Fabianski especially uh, Chesney, more interested in cigarettes than playing the game um, I think that you know it happens we see all the top goalkeepers make clangers day in day out I thought it wasn't good enough especially in a derby you need to have full focus and for me it looked like he took his eye off the ball a bit um, but yeah as you say at half time I, I was deflated after really, you know, I was so excited seeing that goal, that first goal, even though it was a penalty, just to be like, come on, win the driving seat, do something with it, get some momentum. But to lose it like that, yeah. if you take it the first half, and it's a classic to our first halves this year, we can't seem to, to get into a winning position. We can't seem to take the front foot, but maybe that's that sums up the Emery era. Everyone thinks we're underdogs. Everyone is writing us off, yet time and time again, this season so far with 19 unbeaten so far,
0: we're unbeaten coming back. Worst unbeaten run of all time.
1: I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> disagree. And unbeaten runs and unbeaten runs, doesn't matter who you play, it's about who, it, um, you can only play who's in front of you and beat who's in front of you. They've been comprehensive in attack. Defensive frailties, sure, but not not the, um, the abysmal kind of individual mistakes that we used to have under our old manager, Mr. Wenger. And perhaps... That is due to the confidence that Emery is putting in his players, saying, you play your game, I trust you to put your game. i would not seeing any of this zonal marking where nobody really knows who's where and they all bump over each other. It just seems a lot more organised and structured. But um, yeah, I want to know how you felt at 2-1 up, because you're thinking, half-time, we're 2-1 up, Harry Kane scores again, so, we've come back, it's great, why not?
0: Yeah, well, at half-time, the prediction that I made was... We will get a player sent off, which we did with Vertonghen late on, and I thought Lacazette would would come on and score. And I wasn't at all confident at halftime at 2-1 because the match had gotten, after we equalised and there was all that nonsense after the dire celebration, how no Arsenal players got booked, I have no idea. But after that, and then the penalty, which, okay, yeah, wasn't a penalty. But with that, I thought, right, Arsenal players are going to be riled up. This match is out of control. Mike Dean's going to know he's made a mistake. You guys have firepower on the bench. I thought I was nervous, and I could see the comeback coming, and it reminded me a lot of the, the one of the five twos. It's sad that I have to specify what, one which of the, one of the five twos. Five twos yeah. But I thought you were going to equalise before half time, and when you didn't, I thought, okay, maybe we can, you know, get our breath back, maybe make some substitutions. You know, we're in charge of the game now. Try and take the sting out of it, but it just completely got away from us in that second half. And you could you could see it coming. You could see a player getting sent off. You could see there were goals in there for Arsenal because defensively we were looking nowhere near as solid as we have recently. Um, and as as happy as I was that we'd raced into that lead out of nowhere, the way you guys were playing, how riled up you were, how out of control the game was, I thought, no, nah, there's goals here. There's a red card here. I, I didn't feel confident at all. As, as a hardened Spurs fan, having seen us throw away leads and seen many North London derbies, I thought this is far, far from over. I thought we started the second half pretty well on the front foot. But then we just... I, d- I don't know whether it was one game too many, as I was saying this week. Chelsea, Inter, who, where we had to play our first team because it was a must-win game. Okay, Ericsson and Son didn't start, but they came on as subs. Obviously, you got to rest because Europa League didn't have to play all your best players. And I thought maybe this was just one match too many. And in that second half, the fact you were the home team, the fact you were riled up, you ran away with it. And I thought Potch was too slow to react as he sometimes is in the big games with the subs. Emery... Proactive, made substitutions. And yeah, it just, it fell away from us a bit. And um, delightful. I, just, I can't this, really this explain is, what happened is, in the second explain, half. Explain. Please explain.
1: explain. <laughs> There's, uh, mu- that's music to my ears, to be honest. I can't even
0: remember. What was the your equalizer? Because I remember Lacazette, Our the slip to make it 3-2. Our equalizer was...
1: Oh, Aubameyang. Aubameyang. That lovely curve into the bottom right yeah. corner. And he seems to have done that so many times this year where... He hits the ball first time. And You think nothing's going to happen to this. Why would he not take a touch? And it goes in. And we're like, wow, it's unbelievable. He is—he's a special player. And i, I did right. I've got him to say, he
0: was—he, I must admit, he was very, very good. by Bamyang.
1: He's got this flair about him. The speed is—is is, is a natural um, attribute he has. Everyone kind of remembered him for that for his time at Dortmund. His finishing is exceptional, but it's this kind of charisma and character that again is this new Emery era where, you know, you mentioned the game, you really felt this almost tension as well, and you felt like something was going to kick off, there was going to be a red card. And when I saw Lichsteiner, Prod, Dyer, and all the players get up off the bench and rile up your players, I'm very glad that there was nothing physical, that it was all very... Not so lighthearted, but it was, you know, it was, it was classic Derby Day. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess, as a beds. fan, that's what
0: you want to see, isn't it? Exactly. You want, you want, it want to see it stays some fight. within reasonable bounds, Absolutely. you want to see players caring.
1: Absolutely. Well, but, I haven't seen that for a long time where they really, they want to get in Spurs' faces and they want to say, we're here now, we're the Arsenal, we're the Reds, and, and North London is red.
0: What it reminded me of is, is the experience we have when we play West Ham. Where West Ham, they look at us as their main rivals. We, we don't so much. Um, and they're, they're bang up for it. It's, it's their cup final. They're riled up. And you can, you can sense it in the, in the crowd. And to the past couple of years, I sensed it in this corresponding fixture last season when you beat us 2-0 at the Emirates. It's gotten a, it's become a bigger game for you than it used to be. Because you used to, you know, kind of... Wipe Three points away. in the bag. You didn't, you didn't take us seriously. You kind of looked down at us the way we looked down at West Ham whereas now because we've finished above you and we've we've you know taken your spot in the top 4 and you know we've got all the plaudits and you've
1: been well, bottling as well it's very arsenal like
0: well we'll 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 address that at a later yeah. date but it seems like now you guys are for you it's becoming your your cup final now and for you it's like you celebrate going above us in the league the way we would with you it it reminds me of how we approached matches against you 5 years ago desperate to prove a point just being above you would be enough. Getting one over you would be enough. As a, a Spurs fan, what I want to say is you won the battle today, but we'll we'll see who wins the war. Because we lost this fixture last season and we still finished above you. It'll be interesting to see now whether this truly is a turning point. Because so many times with this match, if we when we won, our only win at the Emirates when we beat you 3-2 in November 2010, and people said, oh, a power shift in North London. But we didn't finish above you that year. And it, it took a while. So it'll be interesting whether this is now okay Arsenal are right back on back in business or whether over the course of the season you know things will settle down the way they did last year because we've been here before at Tottenham our record at the Emirates is terrible that was part of the reason as well why even going into the game wasn't that confident despite what happened in the week but we we come back from losing the Emirates and over the course of the season things balance out so do you think as an Arsenal fan right this is it we're back going to finish above Spurs or do you think this is maybe a a sign of things to come rather than the what's now in the present.
1: I think if this was a one-off game and we hadn't been doing so well, um, I would say, okay, job done today, but who knows what's going to happen at United. Now I'm thinking, go on then, bring on Wednesday night, bring on Mourinho. I'd love to wipe that smug smile off his face come on, and get the three points <laughs> at Old Trafford. I never would have said that a year ago. Even 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't have said it. I think... It's the way this manager has galvanized this squad and the fans. He's brought everyone together. He has united them, as he would say. And that's what he's... I actually read um, El Maestro by Romain Molina recently. It's the translated biography of Unai Emery. Some of it goes into background history that is so not relevant to the book or his life that I'm a little bit confused, but that's another story. Um, But you can see everywhere he goes, he seems to galvanize the fans together that is his thing he wants the players to play for the fans and the team for sure now when you go into derbies themselves I feel that Unai is able to take the players take the fans and make them believe in the cause he knows that if everyone unites together that powerful energy is enough to topple even even the best of the teams as well In terms of the power shift, I think we have to see. It's it's early days. It's even though it's an unbeaten run, as you said, one of the worst unbeaten runs because there've been a lot of easier games on paper. There've been a lot of draws for sure. Have we faced the big challenges and won in the big challenges away at the big boys? Not just yet, but I think you have to be heartened by the fact that you've had we've had an unbeaten run. We've got momentum and quite frankly psychologically to be in this position now to say hold on a sec it's been how long has it been three four months of the league we're in position to potentially definitely challenge for the top four i'm hesitant to say title (laughs) and i don't think we can win the title this year i think i don't think we have the quality for it but the fact that we're in touching distance for me so says a lot about this how this new regime has worked very quietly confident and i would say i'm quietly confident that this season could be the best we've had in 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 a decade do
0: you think if um if you don't finish in the top 4 has it been a good season or not
1: as long as we finish 5th or above it has been a good season because for me when someone like unai emery comes in you want to steady the ship and say we haven't done any worse than we would have done under Arsene Wenger. If we regress, if United somehow overtake us, which is an impossible, um, then I'd be worried if we don't win a trophy either. I'd be worried that it was short-term impact. For now, it's kind of that buzz of a new manager, and long-term, we're not going to do much. So I think, it, it again, it just depends on that league position for me, and it depends on the style, because I think... That's something we've been missing for a long time is for Arsenal fans to go into the game believing that we have the skill and the talent to win. And how about the Spurs? Because, you know, a lot has been said about they're moving to a new stadium. Why are they moving to such a big stadium when they haven't won a trophy in... I mean, I'm trying to think the last time they won a major, major trophy. 2008. A major, major trophy. Yeah, 2008. I think it was 61, um, a league title. Um... And, and when are they really going to challenge for the top honors and and look convincing like they are going to be champions like man City we watch them we say that is the style that is the team we 're going to watch when, when when do you think that moment will come where you'll have to put a mirror up to yourself and say what are we doing are we are we are we just do we just want to be a top four team do we just want to um, be the team that put the pressure on. Do we want to be the team that has the best striker, who, who, quite frankly, has done, the, has achieved the same feat as Kevin Phillips, winning the Golden Boot? Or do we it's want to gather? <laughs> do we want to to rally the troops and say we're going to invest? We're going to once we lose our manager to Real Madrid, we're going to bring in someone who is a top class manager who's going to have <laughs> an instant impact. Uh, I, I'm just very interested on in what is success for Spurs because, for me, as as everyone would criticise Arsenal years ago, and I would be one of them. Top four, just top four, when you should be challenging for further, and you, you believe you are challenging for further, is not good enough.
0: Okay, I've been wa- I've been waiting for this question because uh, this is the the narrative around Tottenham. It's all oh yeah, but but what have you won? What have you won? Da 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 da. First of all, you said, when are you going to play and look like champions? I'd argue we did that. The season, we were runners up with 86 points. Chelsea obviously won it because they won on that ridiculous winning run. But that year, we were playing incredible football, did look worthy of champions, played brilliant football, finished second, we're in a title race. Okay, we won't talk about what happened on the last day, the season Leicester won the league. But that year, we were in a title race. We looked like we could be champions. So we've looked two seasons over. We've looked closer to being like champions and Arsenal have done. Um, And what I would say is you talk about Man City and you can't look at how well City are playing without taking into context the financial backing. I just think it's a complete, incomplete analysis. I know obviously Pep's a great coach, great players. They've still got to spend it well and they've still got to win football matches. But the gulf between, the literal gulf between them and everybody else You've got to take that into consideration because they can literally go out whenever they want and buy the best, not just on the pitch, but off it as well. Get the best manager, get the best backroom stuff, get the best everything. So comparing yourself to City, I think, is a bit of a a losing game. And in terms of what success is, when you look at, as I alluded to earlier, where we've come from to where we are now, getting regular Champions League football is success. Competing for titles is success. When you look at the age of our squad, the money that we spend, and we are investing money as well. You look at how much money we're spending on a new stadium, which will help bring us up a level, help try and close that gap to us and the clubs who have greater resources than us. And, you know, when Wenger was winning FA Cup to, FA Cup after FA Cup, I didn't hear people saying, oh, look at all the trophies he's winning. He should stick around. People, you know, Mourinho, he won trophies with Man U. People are hounding him out. And if we were winning trophies but not finishing top four, it would be the other way around. Everybody would be saying, oh, it's all well and good. when You can win as many trophies as you like, but if Champions League is what the players want, Champions League is where the big clubs are. So really what people are saying is we need to do both, top four and trophies. How many of the top six actually finish in the top four and win a trophy? Very few. When United won the Europa League and League Cup outside the top four last season, they were in the top four, no trophies. Chelsea go from winning the league one year to finishing 10th the next. Liverpool haven't won a trophy in... I, I can't remember when they last won a trophy. Last two seasons, they've only just finished fourth. Okay, now they've gone and spent the money and they're competing. But if you look at most of the top six, obviously the top four has become a big six. And all those clubs we anytime we finish above sixth we're overachieving i know it doesn't sound particularly romantic or whatever but realistically if we finish above sixth in terms of the money and all the rest of it we've overachieved we've had a successful season in terms of the resources at our disposal compared to our rivals of course i want to see us win trophies we want to win trophies but you know there's only you know when city are on form you're not going to beat them to the title so it's only the fa cup and the league cup Uh, yeah okay we want to win that but as Arsenal fans will tell you, it's not life changing anymore. The way it used. I mean, I would love it for me, it would be the best day ever winning any trophy, Carabao Cup, whatever. I'd love to see us win a trophy. But realistically, what's going to change us is winning a Champions League or winning a Premier League. And Pochettino has broadened our horizons to say we should aim for that. And by virtue of the fact that we can realistically aim for that and not be laughed out of town, shows that we've improved and showed. We've had success, and I think a lot of clubs now have to reevaluate what success means for them. The way you said, "Oh, if you finish outside the top four, it might still be a successful season," because you know United and Arsenal back in the day were the two big clubs, but now Chelsea have risen, City have risen, Liverpool have got back in there. Six into four, as I said, doesn't go. Six into one doesn't go. So there is something to be said for you know consistency, and I think the top six clubs are going to have to reevaluate what success means because winning a trophy, yeah, we all want it, but. If, if that's what it's all about, England didn't have a successful World Cup. 19 clubs in the league have had a bad season just because they haven't won a trophy. So I find it a bit frustrating when people kind of brush off the whole Spurs project with, oh, yeah, but show us your medals, because it's a bit, I think, disingenuous. Because if we were winning trophies but not getting in the top four, it would just be the other way around. There's always, For each club, there's always a narrative to dismiss it. I've said this that you won. Oh, you've got all the money. For us, it's, oh, yeah, but what have you won? You know, there's always something you can say. But I think with Tottenham it's I don't think people quite appreciate the way in which the Premier League has changed and what success means I think needs to change with it because otherwise people I think it's just a bit of a lazy analysis to say oh you know Spurs what are they when you think well hang on when Pochettino came in we weren't even talking about Champions League let alone titles so that's my little rant about the uh, the anti-Spurs narrative that's very prevalent in the media but
1: in the studio right now yeah um you mentioned change a lot throughout this narrative today. Mm. That's, that kind of feels to be the theme. And I think a lot's changed between our Spurs and Arsenal relationship as well. I mean, I was thinking back just before to the good old days when uh, you had the Steedmel Bronx and the uh, Jamie O'Hara's. And I thought very we could go into <laughs> a uh, little anecdote of mine Ooh, when I was in my house when we, were, when we were a little bit younger, um, both living in Zurich, Switzerland together. And we, I can't remember the context, I think we were just talking about football as we do, very passionate, um, me about Arsenal, uh, Michael about the almighty Spurs, and Michael would you like to finish off what happened, because I'm still a little bit (laughs) traumatised to this day.
0: Yeah, so I did, okay, this is a big, this is a big one for episode one, I didn't realise we'd get here so soon, but yeah, so, Jamie O'Hara, some people may remember him, Um, incidentally I was doing some research, he made his Premier League debut in a North London derby.
1: Which one, which year?
0: Oh, 08 maybe oh, Wow But Because obviously we're making Our podcast debut With the North London Derby So I looked up players mm. Who made their debut In North oh, London Derby Oh very nice Love I it I believe the last one Was Ryan Mason
1: Ryan Mason Mace- The oh, last well. player
0: Who was making Their Premier League debut In the North London Derby So not their first North London Derby But first Premier League match b- Being a North London Derby
1: I'm sure Obviously Danny Rose He scored
0: in one Mason Yeah I feel like
1: de- debutants love to score against well, Arsenal. Danny Rose
0: on his Premier League debut. Who can forget? Yeah. But anyway, Jamie O'Hara. So we were sitting, I think, at a desk. Um, Jason was doing his usual talking rubbish about Spurs. And then he started Speciality. having a go at, at Jamie O'Hara. And I think at, at this point, people might find this hard to believe. But at this point, there was a belief that oh, maybe Jamie O'Hara will be... I suppose he was kind of the Ryan Mason of his day, maybe. Um, and he was talking... <laughs> talking nonsense and I, I picked up the nearest thing to me which is a pencil and just a little a little poke a little prod i would arms. consider it a stab <laughs> just a little little nudge
1: i would consider it being stabbed by a pencil um, um for talking about about jamie o'hara probably the most
0: the biggest bit of football violence i've ever i've ever <laughs> um perpetrated hooliganism <laughs> and i remember Entered then the we went out into like the kitchen and your mum asked you if you're all right and i remember you saying oh oh i feel like i've been been stabbed by someone because i was making fun of jamie o'hara Ah, uh, those are the days those if you're listening days. jamie we'd we'd love to have you on the show we'll, to uh
1: <laughs> i think michael would like to apologize for using your name in vain yeah
0: um it's very odd now looking back how passionate i got about a player who i mean i don't want to talk talk ill of jamie o'hara but didn't go on to be perhaps the player i thought he would be at the time much
1: like uh sir david bentley
0: wow yeah another one of the players to cross the divides to play for both clubs of course sure
1: but. lots of them william gallas probably the most insulting for me <laughs> when you made him captain it made no sense after he had been a rejected arsenal captain and you decided that he should be the face of your evolving club that for me great great for me almost it's like great let let spurs uh have have the image they want to have I, I i wondered how you felt about that back then what how could you be proud of your club, Armband, <laughs> being on someone who was a gooner at heart and um and gave his all his best years to, to your North London rivals?
0: I find I find it very strange that an Arsenal fan would be asking that question of all people, given the most infamous Arsenal Tottenham transfer does revolve correctly, yeah, around a centre back. Um, someone who epitomised the club, some might say. Not William Gallas, though. It's, uh, I'm sure Macclesfield fans know who I'm referring to, he who must not be named. That, for me, was the more egregious example of a club taking somebody and embracing them as their own, even though he was emblematic of their rivals. I
1: think the very big difference is one was absolutely world-class and a champion, Galash. and the other one
0: was Sol Campbell.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fighting a losing battle here <laughs> with this one. I don't think I can get into this I ask just yet.
0: Question, though, in, in, I, didn't, I didn't really care, to be honest. Wow. i mean that that was just harry redknapp he, he, he put the armband on the person who was most experienced it was what it was
1: i want to ask you about the captaincy because it feels like it's 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 a thing of the past where you know you used to have your john Terry and rio Ferdinand's and your yeah. your um your stephen gerrards and those were like they were the face of the club the captain essentially now i mean i know with arsenal Emery came in and said now with captaincies we have five captains. I'm like, well, what is this? Who's the captain? <laughs> so suddenly, like, Ramsey's got the captaincy, even though he's leaving in a few months. No, next month. Sorry, it's Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. so I check they suddenly getting the captaincy. Suddenly, Shaka has now become our club captain. And I'm like, but everyone hates Shaka, So you, I don't understand the point of the captaincy anymore. Is I it just an armband?
0: It doesn't really mean anything, I think, in football compared to other sports. Because, I mean... Lloris is our captain but I think most people probably think it's Kane and I think really beyond maybe being able to talk to the ref whenever you want even though
1: it doesn't happen anymore though. Yeah, that was the whole rules you're supposed to be booked if, you, if you're you a player that's speaking to the ref when yeah, your captain's not present now it's yeah, yeah crowd the ref
0: um, yeah captaincy I don't think it really means anything in football anymore I mean today you saw I don't think it made really a really difference he was captain today really you want leaders all over the pitch and I guess the revolving captaincy is a way of saying that but Whoever wears the armband, I don't think it really has much influence anymore over a game of football, unless you have a player like a Gerrard who is Mister Liverpool. But it's just, it's just, an armband at the end of the day, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and
1: it's interesting. I can't really see right now a Mister Mr. Ars- Mr. Mister Arsenal, Mister <laughs> Arsenal. Well, it was Arsenal Wenger, T- T- yeah, it was, and Torreira is now, I think, is get- is starting to to adopt the the kind of the the passionate dog of a player who really gets into the stuck into yeah. the game is like teeth into a challenge and you could see by just taking his top off um it was like this passion this his, his he wasn't logical he took his top off knowing you would get a yellow card but that was the passion he felt for arsenal and i think one day he could be a top top leader for this club for sure
0: mm. yeah that fourth goal i mean when that went in i was Again, I don't want to mention the 5 2. We've had nightmares that ooh. we could be on for a repeat, especially when for Tongan, the red card, ridiculous decision. People say Mike Dean's a Spurs fan. Okay, maybe he gave us a lucky penalty today. Starts up. But except for that, Every other decision he went in Arsenal's favour, and ever since the meme about Mike Dean being a Spurs fan, he has intentionally have, given every decision He could
1: have killed stuff. Alex Zala today with that tackle and quite frankly I Gets don't the after no I'm, not, I'm not sure if you saw the article with Dave Kitts and the Sun this week about um the Eduardo leg break and how Tony Pulis kind of really egged his teams on to, to be a bit aggressive, get in the face of Arsenal. And it felt like a bit like that today with that I, with that tongue tackle to it just was get really near, I think to, the, to, uh, to
0: just no, he, he looked I think like Mr had, Ramsey would be offended he at had you comparing it. The no, he just had
1: a little the bee in his bonnet really he I wanted to The uh... Arsenal
0: players are the ones today who really particularly going back to that diet celebration I mean how actually didn't get a booking today I don't know how more players weren't booked I mean some of your subs shouldn't have been allowed to come on because they should have been sent off for what they were doing on the, the touchline I mean, shushing the fans. It's a part and parcel of a derby, part and parcel of football. I reaction... It's very
1: disrespectful to the fans that pay a lot of money to go <laughs> see their clubs. To be honest, and, and Mr. Dyer, if he is such a mature leader that everyone envisages him to be, the real golden boy of the England generation, then, then he sh- saying that. Then he should have. Uh, that was in quotation marks in my mind, um, and hopefully, my own.
0: World Cup winning penalty, penalty shootout. Not well, if only it was a world. If cup only win, it was a
1: world cup winning. And talking of, uh, you know what. I'm going to drop the Kane agenda today because it's not about Harry Kane today. It was about the Arsenal. It was about a team that has been written off time and time again, especially in the big games. And absolutely, just a little little lick of the microphone there. That's how much I love the club tonight. Absolutely smashed it today. I'm delighted. I'm actually buzzing. A little little (laughs) buzz there. Um and uh,
0: uh, it's uh, quite cute to be honest to see how excited you all are about this it feels it's christmas like a, come early yeah i mean we've got to do it all again in a couple of weeks quarterfinal of the carabao cup
1: mm, well probably we're going to be seeing two different teams completely kind of a a mix and match based on this uh, heavy festive period mm. be interesting check might go in so literally he might be able to save a ball that goes right directly at your body at your near post <laughs> at a slow pace um, Mr. Leno, take note. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but we're in a precarious position where we need to protect Abamian and Lacazette because they are our two stars. Abamian was the star of the show today alongside Torreira. When Lacazette came on, it changed the whole attacking prowess of the team. Yeah. But when we get to these cup games, we have Eddie and to, to fly the flag. No more Welbeck. Welbeck's, Welbeck's done for, for the season. So I think the January transfer window is going to be interesting as well. Whether we can get someone to really uh build upon the success we are having. I'm worried that he might do a Wenger and say, "No, we've got everyone we need." It is like a new signing when the when the injury comes so, back. Yeah. Um that that'll be really interesting. Do you think Spurs will uh sign one? I
0: think the January window will be our summer window. Delayed business. Wow. Um we signed Lucas last January. Interesting. I think January there might be a bit of deferred business happening. Poch hinted that he wants something to happen to get Foyth in the European squad wow. because we can't get him in because of the homegrown rule so we need to get rid of at least one player to get Foyth in. We do have a lot of Deadwood at the club. Soko. Who needs bail when you've got <sighs> Um You know, we've got Nkudu and I mean, Vincent Janssen is still a Tottenham player. Wow. Um, Unbelievable. There's players who we could easily get rid of and I think once we do that we can start bringing people in.
1: Mr. Zahar, by any chance? I don't see that
0: happening in Jan. Maybe in summer we can revisit that. But... Where
1: does he fit into the whole scheme of things? If you've got a Mora and a Son and a Lamella, does he start over them? And do those players think, you know what, I'm not. if I'm not gaining momentum at a team like Spurs, maybe I need to leave. I just say team like Spurs, I don't, I don't insinuate well, anything. You're right.
0: I think, I mean, what you just said hits the nail on the head, I think, to why we didn't sign many players in the summer. Because... There's not a lot of areas where you obviously go, oh, we need to bring someone in there. Um, I don't know, maybe he, we play him as an out-and-out striker, as an alternative to Kane, or we play two up top or something. Um, but what about Fernando? Well, to be honest, I like Lorente and he did make the difference against PSV when he came on, and I'd be loath to get rid of him in January, as has been rumoured, because I think in those big European games, he's useful to put, put him on for his experience. I don't think he's been used as well as he could have been. But I think he's useful to have around his experience the kind of thing we lack you talked about young players their are inexperienced. Llorente is someone who's been there he's done it maybe we need a couple more players like him somebody to come in and have the influence that Rafa van der Vaart did recently retired Tottenham legend Rafa van der Vaart in such a short period of time gave the club such a boost came in knew what it was all about he loved a North London derby and he just gave everybody a lift because he'd been there he'd done it he knew what to do he was a big game player and I think maybe if we are bringing someone in someone like that who has that experience who can come in know how to control the game
1: and you, i remember we were speaking about this earlier actually about how some players you wouldn't know where how to improve them in the top squad who would you if you looked at that one to eleven who would you change i was thinking about dembele or that position yeah, where he's kind of getting to the to the end nitty of, his gritty of his career yeah i heard some fan on talk sport um early in the year say oh my as well where i said him and i was like come on guys he's been your hero but there's a player in mind, I don't know how to say his name, but I'm gonna try. Um, who I think could be could be an interesting one and it would bring a bit of that Torreira esque bite into the Spurs team. His name is something Nangalangalang.
0: Nangalang. Bala- yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's sort of like a like a bit of a um Oh, there was a famous Dutch player who was oh, that centre mid Schneider E. Mm. Someone, someone's just like using a rock in the middle yeah. who can kind of who the, kind of be that, uh, that wall in the front of the defence.
0: I think the player who most Spurs fans hope will replace Dembele is a player who's almost got the same name from Leon. No, Dembele. I don't know how to say his name, but his name is basically Dembele. Yeah. Plays in that position for Leon and has looked really good. Probably will be out of our price range now because he played really well in Champions League against City two times over. Hmm. But definitely Dembele and Wanyama, I think, are players who... Injury plagued now, getting old. And I think that's why players like Winks and Sissoko have had the time and space to get a run in the team and state their claim. Well, I mean, knowing us, we'll probably go, oh, we've got Winks and Suzuko, We don't need to sign anyone to replace them. But definitely Dembele, I think, is on the way out. Would have gone in the summer, I think, if the right bid had come through. Um, and Wanyama, similarly. And I think that's why we were interested in players like Barkley and Grealish, because I think Pochino sees those type of players as being able to fulfill mm-hmm. that sort of role. And homegrown players, young English, the type of players you like to develop. Um, So it's a shame we missed out on Barkley, I think. It's a shame we missed out on Grealish, I think. Because I think clearly we are looking for that type of player, that heir to the throne of Dembele.
1: But then also you think with someone like Grealish, allegedly, according to newspaper reports, his attitude can sometimes not be aligned with a club like Spurs' values. I have heard rumours. some interesting uh, allegations. Yeah, also... you know, Delhi Alley has come into some criticism from paper talk. I wonder whether, I think that's a big uh, consideration with transfers nowadays is, is a certain personality because these players nowadays have personalities. You don't just get a player, you get all the baggage that comes with it. Yeah. Could it disrupt a squad's spirit? And if you make too many changes, could it not look like your spurs anymore? Could it be, back to to a different type of Spurs. Well,
0: Poch is very careful about that. I think for him, almost personality is more important than anything else. So I think any player who comes through, it's almost like they go through the Poch personality test of whether they're going to be conducive to the the spirit of the dressing room. Um, And I think, you know, in some ways, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. We don't sign anybody, oh, you're stagnating. You sign too many players. Oh, you've changed too much. But I think definitely, I I feel like this is the last season of this Spurs team because I think Alderweireld, unless he signs a new contract, is going. Dembele, I think, is going. Um, I worry about Eriksen. Hasn't signed a new contract yet. If a big club comes in with a big bid, who knows what could happen? And if you lose Alderweireld, Dembele, Eriksen, all of a sudden you are looking at a new Spurs team. Now, I think we'll still keep the likes of Kane, the likes of Ali, Son, Lucas, Winks. But definitely, you know, teams change over time. That's what happens. You have progression. You get, I mean, Arsene Wenger went through about 20 different... First, You know, you, you go through different teams, you progress. And I think as long as... Like you say, you, you bring players in who know your identity, know your style, then it'll, it'll be all right. Yeah. But...
1: And you said about Ericsson and kind of the big clubs coming in. Do you mean like Leicester City or, uh, you know, Southampton perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of uh,
0: the relegation candidates this year. comment. No comment. <laughs> um... <laughs> So we should probably look ahead then quickly. To, mm, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad that we've we've managed to talk about a lot of things other than today's match. I'm trying to forget as much as I can about the horror show. I'm happy
1: to uh, remind you about the today's match. Um, it was actually 4-2 to the Arsenal. So that was a 4-2 to the Arsenal. I
0: mean, we lost by two goals corresponding Fixture last year. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be all right yeah. um, On Wednesday... You guys at Old Trafford, Mourinho to, to pull it out of the bag with a, a scrappy win. Us to beat Southampton, and we'll be three points clear. Is it again. Southampton that's, that's
1: go. at home for you? Well, Wembley. Okay, Wembley. Yeah. yeah, not necessarily home, and that—that's a—that's that, a travesty that we can talk. That's another to, another story, a, a, another another day. But um, yeah, I think United, bring it on, bring it on, and I think that will be interesting to have that other derby before Christmas. See how we fare. Yeah, when, we'll... when it's uh, it's all up for grabs for that one. There's there's a prize at the end of it, hopefully as well. And then that, a can of Carabao. That, festive, um, <laughs> that festive period will be really interesting to see when the pressure gets going, whether, whether Emery and his side crumble and whether, whether Spurs are able to... Um...
0: We normally come on quite strong over Christmas. I'm hoping we can do that again. We normally do quite well over the festive period. I think we need to because I think this year it's going to be one of the hardest years ever to finish top four. So, December 19th, Carabao Cup Court <laughs> Final. We're doing this all over again at the Emirates. Will it be a repeat or revenge
1: repeat three one arsenal
0: i'm gonna go for revenge because i have to but i'm gonna say penalty shootout
1: wow 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 wow
0: we'll see what happens and we'll, we'll revisit these predictions when we're picking up the pieces from the aftermath hopefully you'll feel how i felt today and it'll be a role reversal
1: and you mentioned just before perhaps another prediction and perhaps a forfeit.
0: Yes. So, who? I think we probably know who we're going to predict to finish higher, but who do you think will finish higher this season? Arsenal on it.
1: Arsenal. So I feel yeah. like
0: there was a, a brief hesitation there. there was hesitation. you had a head versus heart. Uh, o- conflict. Only
1: because I'm trying to think of a forfeit that won't humiliate me. I actually had one in the pipeline. It never went through. That I was willing to wear a Spurs shirt if... They finished above us in the league. That was the year, the Leicester year. <laughs> so I was laughing at the full-time whistle of the last game of the season. I don't, I what don't what, that, what would you be uh, willing to put on the line for, to say, how Spurs are going to finish above Arsenal?
0: Oof, I don't know. I think we... I take houses and cards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I think we'll have to think of something pretty special. I think something above and beyond the normal shirt swap. It's got to be something something big. Yeah, I think uh, maybe that
1: can be a little brainstorm.
0: Yeah, maybe a bit of anybody homework. listening can uh, suggest forfeits that maybe they've done with their friends. Yeah. Keep it legal, keep it safe. Maybe over the years, we'll, over the years, over the season, it might feel like years, um, we'll come to, to learn what would most hurt each other. If it's uh,
1: with Unai Emery, it can be as many years as he wants.
0: So, um, if you want to tweet us, we are, or follow us on Twitter, we are at Can and canandcockpod, um, or just search Canon and Cockerel. Um, if you want to email us, cannonandcockerel at gmail.com, with your opinions on anything we've said, anything you want us to talk about, any Tottenham and Arsenal Derby Day stories, um, wherever you're listening to us, please... Like, subscribe, comment, whatever it is you can do. Or share. Share is always great. Tell your friends, any Arsenal supporting friends, any Spurs supporting friends, any football friends. We're we're going to talk about everything else as well. Um, Spread the word. Um, And yeah. So yeah, look ahead to all exciting new Cannon and Cockcrow content. Um, We'll be around covering the rest of this season, Tottenham and Arsenal's uh, trials and tribulations. Um, As well as looking back to classic derbies, classic players, classic moments um so yeah get in touch let us know what you want us to talk about thank you for listening to this episode of canon and cockerel we hope you enjoyed it uh my name is michael i'm a Tottenham fan and i'm jason <laughs> i'm an arsenal come guy. on you spurs come on, come on you gunners